Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Due to the graphic nature of the content, Detective may not be suitable for all audiences. What the community demanded was, come and tell us how did you let this happen? The department did not have a game plan for how to counter that. They try to spin the spin, but how do you spin that on nine girls? How do you spin that to say that you didn't properly investigate this? You should have found this. This guy strangled every one of these women. I'm Garnsey Sloan for Investigation Discovery, and this is Season 2 of Detective. True stories from behind the yellow tape, the ones you don't hear on TV. That was Gary McFadden speaking. He was a homicide detective for over 27 years, a man with a personal connection to murder, which led to a long career putting away some of Charlotte's worst criminals. He's talking about the struggle to respond to a serial killer, Henry Lewis Wallace, who tore through Charlotte in the early 1990s and was the subject of our last episode. Despite putting the killer away, Gary and the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department faced a massive backlash from the community for how they handled the case. A mother of one of the victims, Dee Sumter, was quoted as saying the victims weren't prominent people with socioeconomic status. They weren't special, and they were black. The department decided to make Gary their spokesperson on the issue. So the department is saying, well, just go out there and answer questions. They didn't give me a game plan. They just said, go in the community, go to these forums, go to these places where people want answers. And it's just like anything else. We want justice. We want peace. But what is justice and what is peace? We don't know. It just sound good. I didn't agree to do it. And what happened was they called me to a meeting. And when I get to the meeting, I had somebody talking to me and the city manager and everybody's talking to me in one room. So I walk into this media conference and I see five chairs on the podium. You have the podium clustered with nine microphones. You have your 
print media on the floor, taking pictures, click, click, click. And then you have all of the TV stations in the background filming with their cameras and then all the families. So for me to say no at that point, I don't think it would have been a good idea. And the department very well knew that I was uncomfortable. And at that time, they unleashed the hounds upon me. Despite Gary's best efforts, his explanations were not enough to calm the community. For the first time, he found himself at a loss for ideas. I took a trip home. I took a trip to South Carolina uh, that day. And I got in my car and I drove an hour and a half. And I went and told my mom, went and told my dad what was going on and everything. And I looked at my dad. He said, you can stay tonight, but you can't stay two days. I said, what are you talking about? He says, you're going back to Charlotte and fight this fight. And I said, Dad, you know, this is what they're doing. This is what's going on. And it's probably one of the very, very rare conversations what I had with my dad on a personal level. And I said, what are they doing, Dad? You know, I don't know what to do. Gary's father reminded him of his family values and how his grandfathers and uncles before him had faced adversity. And I thought of my grandfather and I thought about Uncle Clarence and Uncle Benny and all of those people. And I said, that's not us. I'm representing not me, I'm representing the entire family. And so when I do something, that's Clarence's nephew, that's Edgar's son, that's Henry's nephew. So whatever you do, you carry that. So you have to be careful of that. And they would say, you know who you are. And they taught us. They taught us dignity. They taught us respect. Never look down. Never think that you are better than someone. Don't go in there and yell. Don't go in there screaming. Don't be out of character. You just go in there and talk. And you look the person square in the eyes and have a conversation with them and let them know you are here. This is what you said you wanted to do. This is your career. I want you to go back. I spent the night. My mother made this wonderful dinner. I got up the next morning and I got back in my car and I drove to Charlotte. Did I know what I was going to do? No. Was I still scared? Yes. Did I know I had to do something? Yeah. And I figured out myself. Teach the community what they need to know. Teach the community. It didn't happen like that. Gary returned to Charlotte and got in front of the media again with his father's advice in mind. I went back and told him exactly why this had happened and what do they need to do to seek justice in this case and going forward. So then I educated the community and I went back out and then the department realized that because all of a sudden I was getting requests to come and speak. And I was getting people on the crime scene say, I don't trust nobody but Mac Fadden. Then all of a sudden the department said, okay, we have created a monster that we can't kill. And we have created something and we created it. And what do you do now with it? I use it to my advantage in the community. And then the community surrounded me. But what I would say most, the Charlotte Mecklenburg community, poor and wealthy, supported me more than anybody else. And they gave me life. They helped me all through this. And that's why I'm so connected to the community now, because they stood by me. They encouraged me each day to keep on doing what you're doing, because you're doing the right thing. And then when it turned, it turned to be good, because out of Henry Lewis Wallace, an organization called MOMO, Mothers of Murdered Offsprings. It's a nice organization that rallied behind mothers who lose their kids. Dee Sumter was the founder of that, and I'm sure Dee doesn't mind me saying this, we would have not even want to be in the same building when this was going on. Remember I told you about Dee Sumter, who said the victims weren't special and they were black? Henry Lewis Wallace killed her daughter, Shauna, and Dee was furious at the Charlotte PD, and particularly Gary, for how he handled Shauna's case. She disliked me, she despised me, she hated me. 
I didn't want to see D something. When you're with a homicide detective, you're not going to say, you know how much I went through having to hear you cry? You know, even though I don't like you because, you know, you're mad with me, but you know how it is to watch you cry over your daughter's funeral or watch you go to these ceremonies over and over. Even though I don't like you, I watch you cry and suffer. It was emotional because here's a lady that we didn't want to be in the same room. We didn't want to be in the same building. We needed each other. We needed to be there for each other. Gary and Dee ended up working together for a number of years. And in 2012, Gary, along with the detectives that worked her daughter's case, were recognized by Dee Sumter's organization, Mothers of Murdered Offspring. They honored me and all six of those detectives at a wonderful banquet, at a wonderful ceremony, they gave us plaques, and then we all spoke, and we all cried. Because they finally realized what the department did to us. They finally realized what we were up against because we told them the truth. This is not something that somebody put together and they said, hand this award out, and you type out a speech. This award was absolutely from the heart, and it took about 20 years for that award to develop. They didn't see two or three things and said, he's doing a great job in the community. I'm looking at you over a 20-year period. And I've seen your good, and I've seen your bad, and I want to honor you for both of them. And nobody, even the department, ever thanked us for doing the work that we did. Nobody ever said you did a great job. But to honor me after you have cursed at me, beat me, call me names, don't want to be in the room, and it gravitates from hate to love, to me, that's everything. When you can see where somebody literally despises you, and you despise them. And it's, it, it wasn't, you know, me and Dee still laugh about it. It wasn't anything that we hid from anybody. I mean, it was publicly known and out in the open and everybody knew it. And to this day, we are extremely close with that organization. When that organization have a rally, I go to all of the rallies. I support that. Me and Dee Sumter have become extremely, extremely close friends. Gary had proven himself to the city of Charlotte. They embraced him, and soon he embraced them. I have an expression, these streets are my streets. The reason I say that, because I love the streets. My office is on the streets. My office is on the corner. My office is in a diner. My office is in a restaurant. I don't think that I'm going to sit in the office and get that magical phone call that, hey, let me tell you about this homicide. That's not going to happen. You have to build trust first. Building relationships takes time. I have a thing where back when I was a homicide detective, if the sun was out, I was out. If the bird was out, I was out. And what do you do? You just kind of drive around the neighborhood, stop in the neighborhood, post up on the car, as we say, get out, lean up on the car. Hey, McFadden, what's up? I just came out in to see you. All right, we're good, we're good. Everything's cooking, everything's cooking. You know, y'all ain't getting into nothing right. (laughs) So when I'm on the street talking to people, they see me out all the time. They trust me. Once you gain that trust, then you can give me those fine little things. Say, well, you know, Mac Fan, that is my nephew. I can't give him up. And I'll tell him, look, I know he's involved. I'm not going to hurt him, but I'm going to have to charge him. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to have to charge him. And can you respect that? You know, give him that and say, well, yeah, I respect that. You know, tell his mother to let me have a conversation with her. And I'm going to give her that hard conversation. Yes, I'm going to charge your son. Yes, he's going to be charged with something. But here's what you need to do to also assist your son and tell him not to run his mouth so much because that's going to hurt you. I do these things every day on the streets. The way Gary handled his city's fury taught him a valuable lesson in how to handle tension. And what better place to apply this knowledge than in the interrogation room? One killer in particular, who Gary only remembers as Gregory, opened up 
and led him into the mind of the killer. The day that we arrested Gregory, I knew Gregory was going to be different. Gregory did not even run from the scene. He remained at the scene, and we arrested him there with the gun in his backpack. He wasn't resisting anything. They brought him down. He was cooperative. When they told him to sit down, he sat down. We told him to stand up. He stand up, turn around. He was not combative. And so I walked in the room, and, and I introduced myself. And I said, Gregory, I'm going to interview you. And he says, so this is the part that you ask me a whole bunch of questions, and I give a whole bunch of answers. I said, yes. He says, you need to get something to eat, and you need to get me something to eat. And he was polite about it. And I walked out the room and I said, gentlemen, for the first time, I'm going to leave my gun outside the room. And we get what we call the chicken of truth. It's a joke in office. Chicken of truth is anybody eats fresh fried chicken, they're going to tell you the truth. So we have the chicken of truth. And me and Gregory sat and had lunch. And he said, okay, here we go. And he started when he was six years old. And Gregory says when he's six years old, he's being raised by a single parent in Greensboro, North Carolina. They have some difficulty. His mother is struggling. So his mother actually take him to his cousin's house. While he's at his cousin's house, his cousin began to molest him. And Gregory said at that time, he lashed out and wanted to talk about it and tell his mother, and nobody believed him. So his mother thought that he was causing problems in the family. So because he was causing problems in the family, she really had to get rid of him or put him away or something like that. So at that time, Gregory's mother started... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. To live a different lifestyle. So that gives Gregory you know, a lot of issues too. So they finally put Gregory in a foster care. So he's in foster care, and Gregory says, in foster care, if you're young, you have deep pockets. That means if I take a six-year-old, I can keep this six-year-old for 12 years and get paid for 12 years until he makes it 18. But foster care is very harsh, very rough. He said in foster care, he went through a lot of pain, uh, problems and everything, and he was dropped from house to house to house. 
When a family picks you up, they get six to $800 a month for you. When they get back on your feet, they say, well, all of a sudden you are a problem. And then they kick you out and then you go to another family and you start this cycle all over again. When you get 18 years old, what happens? You have no more money. The government says you're 18. So now you're kicked out on the streets. No real formal education, no real family, no real job skills. You're basically just a a blue-collar worker. So Gregory started to wash dishes and work at restaurants because that's the easy job. Anybody hires you, busting tables, washing dishes, and cooking. So that was his life. He's pretty much homeless at the time. People still disrespecting him. He can't get a girlfriend because he don't have the skills to get a girlfriend. So during this time, Gregory is still in Greensboro, and he's coming across the street one day, and a car hits him. So then he goes to the hospital, a little bit of insurance, a little bit of problems, loses his job. So then when he's finished, he's now homeless. He has a bad leg because the heart hit him. He walks with a limp, and his arm is kind of messed up, as he said. So he goes on, and he finally hears about Charlotte. Charlotte is a good city. He comes to Charlotte. He starts working. Now, you have to think, out of his whole life, he's being disrespected. He's being shunned to the side. And so how you feel as a human being is pretty low at this point. And everybody's kind of laughing at you because you got a limp, you got a lisp, you can't find a girlfriend, you want a relationship, but you can't have one. So Gregory comes to Charlotte. He gets a little bit on his feet because for the first time in a long time, he's not homeless because Charlotte had many opportunities. And in that part of it, he finally got a place to live, but he wants companionship. And for a guy to sit here and tell me this, you know, it was really amazing. He says, I wanted to be intimate with somebody, but I'm limited of who I am and how I look. So the best thing I can do is pick up, you know, a lady of the evening, you know, escort service. And so in our investigation, we went and talked to the girls that he picked up. They said, out of anybody they dealt with, they worried about him because at first they thought he was strange, but he wanted to almost have a date with them. But beyond his dating issues, a major source of his frustration was how he was treated in the workplace. So Gregory was working two jobs and he wanted a third job because he was trying to make end meet. So one of his jobs was at a movie theater. And to the average person, being awarded and being acknowledged is something we probably have received since we were in grade school, you know. Each one of us has a certificate that we never put on the wall or a plaque that we never put on the wall. Imagine having so many certificates and awards they can't go on a wall or certificates that you receive, a lot of certificates we receive for attendance. Gregory received nothing in his entire life, absolutely no accomplishment awards, no appreciation awards or anything till he started working at this movie theater. He became employee of the month. And to hear somebody say that, well, Most people say, well, that's nothing. But if you've never received anything in your life and never been acknowledged any time in your life or never been rewarded at any time in your life, employee of the month is huge. And he loved that so that he had a dream of becoming the manager of a movie theater. And you have to think, is that a dream? Is that reality for somebody? Most of us would love to be a doctor, a lawyer, physician, football player, you know, professional athlete. This guy set his goals on becoming a manager of a movie theater because they honored him as employee of the month. For the first time, he saw hope and a desire. So he was trying to orchestrate where he could keep the job at the movie theater and also make more money. So he was at this restaurant, and he got a job, and he wanted to advance on a job, and it was called The Hot Table, 
working the hot table or the hot line provided you, I think it's 50 cents or 75% more than anybody else. And Gregory seek that because Gregory said, if I got that 50 to 75 cent more an hour and I make manager or shift manager at the movie, I could cut out the third job and live my life comfortably. And he had it all worked out in his mind. And I said, Gregory, why would that be so important to you? And he said, because I was homeless and I never want to be homeless again. So when he's working at this job, they denied him that. And each time he said, I've been here long enough. Can I have this job? And they said, no, we can't. So then they start picking on Gregory. I guess you would say bully. At that point, they hired another guy to work the hotline and gave him this 50 or 75 cent more on a dollar. He saw that as a slap in the face. He talked to them about it, and they became upset, and he became upset. And so they had what they call a secret shopper to come in and said that Gregory didn't do a very good job cleaning up that day. A secret shopper is kind of like a manager. It's someone who watches over your work. So they fired Gregory. And Gregory begged them not to fire him. And he said, please do not fire me. I need this job. I need it very badly. But they still fired Gregory. Gregory did not lose the job at the movie theater or the other job, but it cost him a lot for moving back and forth. So Gregory formulated in his mind that he wanted to kill his cousin for this molestation that caused him to be who he is today. So I said to Gregory, why didn't you kill your cousin? And he said, I couldn't kill my cousin because... I didn't have the means to go back and kill him. And I said, what do you mean by that, Gregory? He says, well, I thought about I didn't have the funds to catch a bus, go to the city, kill my cousin, and come back. So in his mind, he says, I can't kill my cousin, so I'm going to drop down to the second and third notch, and I'm going to kill these two managers. He said, I really formulated in my mind the day that they fired me, but since I couldn't get a job and nobody would hire me, I was slipping back into homelessness. And you have to think that's important to him because he always would say through the interview, well, I need food in my belly and a roof over my head. And I found out that those were the two most important things to Gregory, not being hungry and not being out in the cold. To us, it's a car. To us, it's clothes. To us, it's many things. But to Gregory, not being hungry and having a roof over his head. He said, do you know what it's like sleeping on a bridge for two or three years? Do you know what it's like sleeping in a homeless shelter for two or three years? Gregory was terrified of losing his home and angry at his former employers for humiliating him. So he bought a gun. He had bought the gun legitimately, took a training class on how to shoot it, had his concealed carry permit because he wasn't a criminal and he was not a convicted felon. But, you know, he just got to the point where he was fed up. He was got to a point where he was tired of being bullied. He got to a point where he was tired of being disrespected, and he needed to bring that to somebody's attention. And he took the lives of these two gentlemen because he was fed up and tired. So he knew the one thing that disturbed me about this whole case, Gregory knew that my squad ate there every Tuesday. It was just tradition that we ate there. We relaxed there. So that Tuesday... We went to the restaurant, and the owner, Vinny, and all was kidding us. Um, I'm a Yankee, New York Yankee fan. Vinny has some team called Boston something Sox. So the the Boston Red Sox, and for my Red Sox brothers, I do love you. So we were talking about that, and Vinny said, I'm going to buy you lunch. And Vinny came up and says, uh, so I guess nobody's killing nobody today. Everybody's in here. I'm like, we're taking a break, and we can get this time because when it comes, it comes, and when it don't, is back to normal. So we just taking a break. He said, anything I can do for you all, let us know. We finally left. 
About 30 minutes later, the dispatcher called us on our phone and said, y'all got a homicide on East Boulevard where the restaurant was located. And we're like, yeah, okay. They said, no, we got people running out the restaurant and people saying somebody's killing everybody in the restaurant. So we think it's a prank that Vinny and the crew called or had 911 to call our office and it's a prank. And then we start listening to sirens because we weren't that far. And we start turning on radio and they said shots are being fired, shots are being fired. It was a chilling, eerie feeling. We got in a car and we drove there. And I remember one of my partners walking me through the restaurant and he said, we were just sitting in that chair. We were just sitting there. And then at that time, we walked over and we saw Vinny on the floor and then we saw the other manager behind the counter. And it was just crazy. Gary was devastated at the violent death of his friend Vinny. But even more disturbing, he passed by Gregory when he and his partner left the restaurant. He told us that he waited for us to leave. And the guy that they hired before him actually saw him standing across the street and brought Vinny's attention and also the other manager's attention to him, but they never did anything. The whole store has surveillance footage, and it is a bad sight because we witnessed how it went down, and he walked inside and just walked up, pulled out a gun, never said a word, shot the manager. When he looked up, he shot him. Vinny looked back because he was sitting in a chair talking to a client, and he just walked up to him and shot him, and neither one of them had a chance, and shot both of the managers, didn't harm anyone else except those two. Gregory's story is truly shocking on paper, but it was made more disturbing by Gregory's cool delivery. I didn't have to pull teeth with him. I didn't have to yin and yang with him. He just kind of told me, and I asked him, now, what about that? And he went over it. And then a funny thing was that he was fine in what he did. And he said something that I always remember. He says, well, I got one wish that I always wanted. I have food in my belly and a roof over my head for the rest of my life. Detective is produced by Investigation Discovery and is part of the Panoply Network. With special thanks to Kevin Bennett, Amy Angelowitz, and Emily Kaiser. This episode was produced by Tom Hina. Many thanks to the best audio engineer in the business, Joe Powers. Original music was composed by the talented Chris Kennedy and remixed by Joe Powers. Cover art was designed by Nan Galat. Sign up now on iTunes to get new episodes of Detective on your feed. And join me, Garnsey Sloan, next week for an all-new episode. Until then, check out crimefeed.com for all your latest crime news. On the next Detective, Gary loses his first case, but something the victim's mother says stays with him for the rest of his career. I gave her mother the death notification that night. Her mother woke up out of bed, an elderly lady in her night slippers and a nightgown coming to the door, you know, with her headscarf on, and, and I gave her the death notification in the middle of the night. And something she said really touched my heart. She said, young man, I want you to be careful out there. It's very dangerous. And I said, thank you, ma'am. And she said, you be careful. You have a dangerous job. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.